You're listening to Friendlier, the podcast for friends who love to talk, read, and eat. I'm Sarah. And I'm Abby. Today we're going to talk about holiday traditions, specifically about Christmas, which is coming up next week. But first, let's catch up on life lately. Sarah, what's been happening with you? I have been thinking a lot about winter and living seasonally and the cold that is coming. It's really just been the past couple weeks that it's been really cold here. And so I've just been thinking a lot about how like the holidays are pretty easy because holidays are really fun, as we're going to talk about. But then you get into January and February and the cold is just, it continues. So I've just been thinking about being cozy and like what things I can do to make winter more fun and trying to have a really good mindset going into it. Do you listen to the Cohesive Home podcast? I haven't listened to that one. Okay. Well, I listened to that one and they had an episode about living seasonally recently. And so I've really been pondering that. And also Kelsey of the Girl Next Door podcast talked a lot about trying to have a good attitude going into summer, which is their hard season. Mm. So I've been trying to channel some of those energies and like just thinking of it in a good way. And that we had wanted to move here where there was four seasons. And so that's what we're getting. (laughs) So yeah, not a whole lot like family life has been. We've just been trucking along, but I've been just thinking about those things. What about you, Abby? Things have been good. We got our Christmas tree this week and Andrew put the lights on it this morning. And it was really fun because Plum was taking her nap while he was putting the lights on. And she was just sort of ignoring the tree, even though it was in our living room before. Mm -hmm. But then when it was lit up and she came out, her face lit up oh, yeah. and she she was sort of this very sweet look of awe. And I feel like a lot of what is going on revolves around her. She's 10 months old soon and she just started army crawling this week, which was fun before she was rolling around lots of places, but she didn't have any direct forward movement mm-hmm. and now she does. So she's really proud of herself. Um, But that also changes things in our house. Yeah. The other thing that has been really exciting with her gross motor development is that she can push herself up to a seat now. Yeah. So before she could sit, if we sat her up, but we didn't do that very often because she was pretty unstable and could fall over really easily. So we would sit her up like leaning against us, but not we, we wouldn't just sit her and then leave her. But she can push herself up now. So this week I was working on a writing project. So I was behind my computer and she was playing and then I would look around my computer and she would be sitting up and it's very surprising and really fun. Yeah. So that's mostly what's been happening with us. Now let's talk about what we've been reading. Sarah, what have you been reading? So I actually did some rereading, which we talked about in the last episode that I usually don't do rereading. Which, come to think about it, is a little bit strange because I forget books really quickly. And so when I reread them, it's sort of like I'm reading them for the first time. A whole new world. Yeah, it really is. Like, I reread The Seventh Harry Potter for the first time, like, several years ago. And I was going through and I was really into it. And Neil asked me, do you remember what happened at the end? I was like, no, I totally don't remember what happened at the end. But we were chatting about rereading. And after reading The High Mountains of Portugal, I just wanted something really easy to read. And so when we finished our recording session, which we do at the library, I went up and got Divergent and read that this week. I don't love that series as a whole, but I really like the first book. So I feel like it's a trilogy that gets progressively worse as the books go on. (laughs) I don't know how you feel about this particular dystopian YA trilogy, but I really loved the first book and I'm glad I reread it because it was just really fun to read. It's funny that you said that about 
not remembering books because I definitely read all three of those, but I don't have very clear of a recollection of them. In fact, I think the clearest thing I remember is us talking about it. Okay. Because we were talking about the third book. And isn't there something about genes? Genes, what you wear or genes like Genes biology? in your body, genetics. Oh. Um, I think so. I mean, I think the whole book kind of talks about that. I'm not sure. I haven't reread the third book yet, so. <laughs> I remember almost nothing. But I remember really enjoying it. Yeah. And being along for the ride kind of thing. Yeah. It was a fun book to read, but doesn't feel like a lot of depth there. But that's where I am this week. How about you? What have you been reading? I've been reading Salt by Nayira Wahid, which is a poetry collection. And it's the one that I mentioned that I was going to be reading for my other virtual book club. Mm -hmm. And it's one that I had to buy because when I asked the library to buy it, they said it's not available from our supplier. So I don't know when that happens, Hmm. but I got it and I started to read it. And it is really challenging. So the poems are beautiful and short, and some of them really resonate, but some of them have really been challenging me to think about big issues like race and consent and ownership of your own body. And there's a lot packed into like three lines. And so I've been reading them, but I've been reading it really slowly because everyone, I like to read it several times and sort of think about, you know, who is this poem speaking to? What is it saying to me? And I'm enjoying it as an intellectual exercise for sure. And there are a lot of concepts in there that I am glad to be educated about and to sort of be invited by the writing to feel things really strongly. But it's also kind of a heavy experience. Like I can't sort of rip through a whole bunch of poems in a night. I'm usually reading before bed. Mm -hmm. But I'm glad that I'm reading it. And I'm glad that it was chosen for our book club because this is not something I think I would have picked up on my own. I like poetry, but I seldom choose it. Yeah. Have you had very many experiences reading poetry as an adult? Or have most of your poetry reading experiences been related to academics in the past? I don't think we even read much poetry in school. Most of the poetry, which is not very much, I have read as an adult. I discovered Mary Oliver as an adult. I read Billy Collins, several of his poetry anthologies as an adult. Okay. The main poetry that I remember reading in high school was John Donne and Edna St. Vincent Millay. And I still have a collection of Malay poetry that I go back to from time to time. Yeah, I haven't read much poetry either. So both in school and afterwards. But I'm very interested in salt. It sounds like something, I don't know if enjoy is the right word from your description, but something that I'd find really valuable. It is. That's exactly right. It's really valuable. Okay, Sarah, now let's talk about Christmas traditions. What was Christmas like in your family growing up? So we always had Christmas at our house. Um, There was one year we went to North Carolina to visit my maternal grandparents, but every other year we stayed in Missouri. My mom basically said that she had four kids and she wasn't going to (laughs) travel. So people could come to us if they wanted to. And they really did. So often my maternal grandparents would come, my paternal grandmother would come, and a variety of aunts and uncles would come as well. Then plus my three siblings and my parents. So we also didn't travel 
at Christmas, we stayed in Dallas, but it would be just me, my sister, and my mom and dad, Christmas Eve and Christmas Day. Mm-hmm. What did you guys do on Christmas Eve? Christmas Eve, well, we always um, had stuffed shells for dinner was our tradition. And then we would have the Christmas Eve candlelight service in the evening. And then we'd come back and have cheese ball and hang up the stockings. My great-grandmother knit these really beautiful stockings for everybody in my family. I love it. And it's actually the P in HP is after this grandmother. So... We'd hang those stockings up and then we'd go downstairs and everybody got to open one present and we'd do it in some kind of order, like first letter of your last, well, not last name because so many of us had the same last name, (laughs) but you know, first letter of your middle name and go in order and everybody would get to open one thing. Did you get to choose the thing? Um, Sort of. I mean, all the presents weren't out that night. So Mm -hmm. most of the presents under the tree were the ones to and from the kids because we would put ours out in the evening. So most adults were opening a present from one of the kids. And then I don't remember always opening a present from one of my siblings. So I don't think that was the case. But definitely the whole, it wasn't like we got to choose from all the presents available or anything like that. Mm -hmm. I'm pretty sure what we got to open was directed by my parents in terms of something fun, you know, that they weren't going to have us open the package of underwear that we get every year on Christmas Eve. (laughs) But it wasn't like the showstopper present either. Yeah. How did you guys do Christmas Eve? We would go to church and Christmas Eve in my church growing up was the Christmas pageant. So my sister and I were often in the Christmas pageant. And so we would go and be in the Christmas pageant or watch it when we when we got too old to be in it. And that was really fun. So how our church did it was a new baby that had been born in the church. Mm -hmm. His or her parents played Mary and Joseph, and that baby played the baby Jesus. So there was a real baby, and I always loved babies. I always have loved babies. So I was really excited about that as a kid. Yeah. And then we would go home and usually celebrate with some family friends and eat Tex-Mex for dinner. So growing up in Texas, we usually ate tamales, cheese dip, things like that. But you'd eat it at home or you'd go out? We'd eat it at home. We'd prepare it. Okay. I have a question about the Christmas pageant. Yeah. So we never had a Christmas pageant in our church growing up, and Mm -hmm. I've never actually seen a real Christmas pageant. Do you have like a favorite character? Do you say a character for the Christmas pageant? A favorite member of the nativity scene that you played? Or I'm just really curious about it. You know, in our Christmas pageant, nobody had um, speaking lines. It was one of the ministers who would read the Bible story. Mm-hmm. And then we just sort of moved around the stage. Okay. And actually maybe two people, there were two angels maybe that had one line each. And I think one of the years I got to be one of those angels, but you know, I can't even remember who that is. Yeah. But mostly I think we were things like sheep mm-hmm. and the chorus of angels where everyone does the same thing or like the wise people and their camels or whatever. I mean, there were a lot of kids in our church and like 10 sheep, 10 tiny angels. Yeah. Like three wise people and then a whole bunch of bearers of gifts and their camels too. Cool. Yeah. So we would eat with these friends of ours and then we would go home and my dad would read Twas the Night Before Christmas, but it was a game in that he would leave out some of the words and we had to fill them in and if we didn't fill them in correctly he would make like the game show buzzer sound like ah, <laughs> like you got it wrong 
So my sister and I would practice and she had a recording of Twas the Night Before Christmas that she would play to get it in her head to get ready. Yeah. And then we would go to sleep. Yeah. There's actually a lot of, I don't want to say strange words, but like more adult phrasing in that poem. Yeah. The phrasing is what's really weird. Yeah. And we, I mean, the version that we had too, some of the reindeer names were even kind of strange hmm. and maybe they were more original and authentic to the actual poem, but we got buzzed a lot. <laughs> Okay, so what about Christmas morning, Sarah? So Christmas morning, um, I was usually one of the first people up. My mom was always the first, and then I would come out. And I would always have a bowl of homemade Chex Mix for breakfast while I waited. Mm -hmm. Because we would have lots of guests at our house, and you had to wait for everyone to get up before you would start doing anything. So there was a lot of waiting around. Especially if you were the first one awake. Oh, yeah, definitely. And then uh, we would all do the stockings. So Santa filled the stockings at night and then we would um, all sit around. And once all those were opened, then we would move on to Christmas breakfast, which for us was sausage and egg casserole and a coffee cake. And then we would have to wait until breakfast was cleaned up. Anybody who wanted a shower would have a shower. Seemed like forever when I was a kid because I had to wait for all the adults to be ready. And kids, which meant Basically, anybody living at the house or under 18 was not allowed to go downstairs because mm. that's where the Christmas tree was. So we couldn't see the Christmas tree. It was like a big reveal going downstairs mm. mm -hmm. because very few of the presents had been put out before. You know, it's once we went to sleep that everybody would put all the presents under. And then we'd go downstairs and see the tree. And the kids would usually distribute all the presents into piles for everybody. And then it was pretty much a free for all opening the presents like ripping into things, paper flying. Or just everybody was doing it all at once. So no like rotating right. person to person. As I think we might talk about later, Neil's family did the rotating. There's only one present being opened at any given time and everybody is mm. watching that. That did not happen. It's hard with a lot of people. Yeah, that's what I think the challenge is. is that would have taken us hours and hours and hours. A while after that happened, then we would have a big Christmas dinner, like the traditional similar to Thanksgiving Christmas dinner. Turkey. Yeah, I think it was turkey. Honestly, the Christmas dinner has made not an impression on me at all. Did you have bubble salad? I think we must have. And that's why I, I can't remember anything about it because I think I was so focused on the other aspects of Christmas. Mm -hmm. And as an adult, it's really strange to me that my mom and the other adults spent a lot of time cooking this huge meal on the same day where there was so much other stuff happening. No, that is a lot to think about. Yeah. What about you guys? What was Christmas morning at your house? My sister and I, early on, so probably when she was like three and I was seven, we started waking up at like three in the morning, <laughs> wanting to open presents. And we had a similar rule where we couldn't come out to the living room where the tree was. Uh -huh. And we moved into a different house a while later. We weren't allowed to come downstairs. Okay. But the way that Santa solved that problem is to put our stockings on the end of our beds. Oh, so when we woke up at three in the morning, we were allowed to open and look at our stocking and to talk to each other and to show each other our stocking stuff. Okay. But we weren't allowed to wake up our parents and we weren't allowed to go to living room. So were stockings just for kids then? Your parents didn't get stockings? They got stockings. Okay. But Santa was filling the stockings for the kids and my parents were filling the stockings for each other. Like that was oh. understood. Okay. So my sister and I would wake up and... 
and show each other all our stuff. Yeah. And then we would usually be awake. And I think we were allowed to go in and wake my parents up at like six. Bless their hearts. We were we were up really early. Um, and then we got to go out and open presents. And we opened presents before food. Oh, okay. And then while we were opening presents, caramel pecan rolls were cooking. Mm. And that's what we had for breakfast. Caramel pecan rolls, bacon, strawberries, um, the frozen kind that have syrup oh. that come in a little box. Do you know about this? I don't know these, this kind. So they would be served in sort of a delicate little pudding cup. Okay. An orange juice and or hot chocolate. When I think about that breakfast, I'm like, man, that was a lot of sugar. <laughs> yep. It was maybe a little tough to keep it together attitude wise after such a sugary breakfast. Yeah. Okay. Two questions about stockings. Mm-hmm. One were stocking presents wrapped or unwrapped in your family? Unwrapped. Unwrapped. Okay. What about you? They were wrapped in our family. Oh. They were not labeled, but Santa and his elves definitely wrapped the presents. Oh. But in Neil's family, they did not wrap the presents. Yeah, and Andrew's either. Yeah. Are there things that you got every year in your stocking that were like a stocking tradition? I mean, we got the same types of things, but nothing explicitly that was exactly the same every year. Okay. We always had gummy worms. Every year, Mm. Santa would bring those and a toothbrush and a candy cane and lottery tickets. (laughs) Really? Like scratch off tickets? (laughs) Yes. That's hilarious. I don't, maybe, we probably didn't get them when we were kid kids, but it's like a family tradition to have lotto tickets that Santa brings. That's funny. And usually multiple people buy them. So there's like multiple scratch offs in the, in the stockings. Did you ever win any money? I mean, people would win like $5 or $1 or another ticket, that kind of thing. But nobody ever won the big bucks. The jackpot. (laughs) Hmm. So then the rest of our day was just playing with our stuff, watching our new movies, you know, playing games. We did not have another big dinner usually. Sometimes we would go to another family friend's house and have food with them, but not a Thanksgiving-y type dinner. It was normally just more on the regular dinner sort of scale. Yeah. So what was your favorite present that you got as a kid, Sarah? So I saw this question on the outline and I have been contemplating it. And I don't think I have one as a kid Mm. that I remember looking back on. Like, I don't remember something that I just was hoping for and then I got it or something that totally wowed me. I mean, I don't mean that to say like I was unimpressed with my presence, just there isn't one specific thing that that really stood out, Mm. which is interesting for me to think about as a parent now that that is my reaction to looking back on all of my childhood Christmases. Yeah. But also that's just not what I remember. Like I remember a lot of things about Christmas and a lot of, you know, the traditions and the things that are really special to me, but like specific gifts, that's that's not something I remember. Hmm. How about you? Do you have one that was really special? Yes. When I was in sixth grade, we got kittens (gasps) from Santa. So that was amazing. Yeah. Was that really unexpected or was it something that you guys had been asking for for a long time? I think maybe we had expressed that we would want kittens. We already had cats in our family, but they were really my mom's cats. Mm -hmm. And I had wanted a dog and a cat, like a puppy and a kitten for a long time. And so it wasn't like I was completely shocked, but it was really awesome that it was a Christmas event. Yeah. Were they just down under the tree? What did that look like? Yeah, they were in the little um, like kitty carrier uh-huh. together just under the tree. That's awesome. 
HP has been asking for a kitten, not for Christmas specifically, but he just likes to talk about that we should have pets and we should have a kitten. Oh, did you guys do any advent calendars? We did. Yeah, we had two advent calendars. Both of them, what you opened the little door to was a miniature ornament. And one of them had a wooden tree with little nails that you hung the ornament on. Mm -hmm. And then the 24th was always the star that went on top. And then another one was like a cardboard box, but had wooden ornaments in it. And we hung it on a garland that was in front of our fireplace and later on our staircase. Yeah. Did you guys do Advent things? We had um, candy-based Advent. So we had one that was just a large board divided into squares with four nails in each square. And then we had these little cloth bags. And my dad would go to um, the grocery store and just buy a bunch of candy in bulk. And then we would stuff the little bags. And then every night after dinner, we would get to eat the Advent candy. And then we'd also have the little cardboard kind um, where you open it and there's a piece of chocolate, my mm-hmm. um, paternal grandmother would always get us those. Fun. Okay, now let's move on to talking about Christmas traditions in college. And Sarah and I got to share these because we went to the same college. What was your favorite college Christmas tradition, Sarah? Mine was Christmas on our body on breakfast for dinner day, <laughs> which maybe you should explain that. Yeah, I'm not sure how that started. So breakfast I for dinner comes. Okay, well you'll have to jump in then. Breakfast for dinner comes once it once a semester at Hendrix. Is it the day like reading day it's before reading finals? Day. Okay, so the day before final starts, and then is breakfast for dinner, which is very exciting for some reason. Even though we have breakfast in the cafeteria every day, breakfast for dinner is like big big deal. <laughs> um. And then Abby and I, why don't you say how we started it? Since I don't even remember. I just remember doing it. Like so many stories of us in college, this starts in front of the library. And you had been studying in the library and I was walking over to meet you. And I think you were upset about something. Maybe you were stressed about finals or something like that. And I was like, but Sarah, look, it's Christmas on my body. Because I was wearing these red fleece sweatpants Mm -hmm. and a green shirt. And so it was like, red and green so I was like it's Christmas on my body and you were like what the heck you're totally crazy (laughs) but then it became a tradition and we always did Christmas on our bodies on reading day yep and then ate breakfast for dinner recently um I believe it was HP but he was talking about how he was wearing Christmas on his body because he's really into the fact that red and green are Christmas colors and was saying it I was like oh Abby would be so proud (laughs) has he heard you say it before did he come to that on his own I don't know if he's heard me say it before and he might have had a different phrasing about it but it was and it wasn't I'm wearing it though it was like it's Christmas on my body I feel like it was Christmas on my body (laughs) yeah I love it other really fun things that we did at Hendrix Andrew and I always got a Christmas tree in our house we always got a live Christmas tree we would go get one and then decorate it and another thing that Hendrix does this is really special is that the choir sings a candlelight carol service and they practice a lot and they go on tour with it. But it was just really fun to go to that as a community. Yeah, that's one of my favorite memories of because, of course, we didn't have Christmas at college since we were on break. Yeah, just leading up to it. And the candlelight carol service is just so peaceful and like centering that it was nice in the midst of like the end of a busy semester to have that. Mm, they did a really good job. Okay, let's move on past college. What was Christmas like 
when you and Neil were first married, before you had HP&E? You know, it was still very similar to what it was, not as a kid, because we weren't kids anymore, but we still just went back home to either one or both of our families. We went to graduate school in Oregon, and so when we would go home, we'd usually see both families because the plane tickets were pretty expensive from the West Mm -hmm. Coast, and so we would fly into one place and borrow a car and drive back and forth or some such, but it was still most of the same family traditions that we had just had before. Um, We didn't really have much that was that was ours separate from what we were doing with our families. Like we didn't get a tree or decorate because we were always leaving to go home. Mm. And one year we celebrated in Senegal and Gambia because that's where I was and Neil came to visit me. Oh, right. That's probably the most unique Christmas that we've had together. What was it like to celebrate in Africa? It was really great because we only saw each other over Christmas break. I was gone for six months. So it was halfway through my time away. And it was just so nice to be together that the fact that Christmas was so different was it didn't even really register with me. Mm. I don't remember being particularly homesick to go back because Neil was there and we were on a beach and eating Indian food. You know, like there were no presents and but it was just great. I was on Um, a break from the work I was doing there and just really enjoyed the time together. Andrew and I have not had a Christmas so exciting, but what we did was because we were in grad school in Nashville, which is where Andrew's parents live, we had always had Christmas with them, which was awesome because we got to sleep in our own bed and then would wake up and go over there Christmas morning And because of that, I got to know his family's Christmas traditions. Mm -hmm. So now we both have kids and it's Plum's first Christmas. So I'm excited about that. But I want to hear what you guys do, what Christmas traditions you have in your family now with HP and E. So HP's first Christmas, he was six months old and we were planning to travel for Christmas. And I was really wanting to go back home to Missouri. You know, as I said before, we really didn't travel for Christmas. And so I so closely associate Christmas with being home in that same house that I grew up in. And having a kid, I just really, obviously, he is not going to know what's happening or appreciate Christmas traditions. But I wanted to experience Christmas with him, with my family in Missouri. Mm. Mm -hmm. But we ended up going to Arkansas because Neil's brothers were also coming back and they had not yet met HP. And we didn't know how long it would be before we'd get a chance to be together with his family again. So we went to Arkansas, which was, of course, wonderful. His family is great. But it was really hard for me not to be with my family that year. Was that your first Christmas where you hadn't been with your family? Was HP's first Christmas? I don't think so, because I think I had spent a Christmas with Neil's family before, Mm. where we'd been with his family first and then gone to see my family. Actually, I'm sure that had happened. So it wasn't the first time I'd missed like the big Christmas day. And when I had been in West Africa. Oh, sure. um, And when I had been in Switzerland. So I'd missed my family Christmas before, but it was still just, I just really felt that pull, especially after having HP to go home. But we had a great Christmas with them. But then the next year, we did go to Missouri. We did both, but we went to Missouri for actual Christmas and did all of the same traditions we've already talked about. And it was great. But doing that, it really made me realize that what I want for my kids is to have our own 
family Christmas and for them to have memories of Christmas in their home the same way that I have memories of Christmas in my home. Mm -hmm. I don't want to be recreating my childhood memories for my kids. I want to be like creating our own memories. Um, So since then, we've just stayed home and it's just been the four of us. You know, I never put this together, but the choice that we are making this year is to stay home and have a Christmas just us at our house as a family of three. Mm -hmm. And I bet I have been influenced by the choices that you've made, Sarah. I didn't even connect that before. But to me and to Andrew, it felt really important to us to do exactly what you're saying, to let Plum be in her own house and see how things are in our small family and to take the time to really just be together and enjoy each other and form our own traditions. That said, we're going to take things from both of our families of origin. We're eating Tex-Mex on Christmas Eve. Mm -hmm. I'm very excited about that. Already planning a specific cheese enchilada recipe. Nice. And we're going to eat what Andrew's family eats for breakfast, which is cheese grits, breakfast strata, which is like an eggy, bready casserole. I don't know if that's like what you guys have been eating in your family. Yeah. And I'd say we're similar in terms of combining things from both of our families that, you know, we're going to do Christmas breakfast, like what I usually have. Most of my food traditions, I would say, are what we're doing. (laughs) Only for we're going to we started our own tradition of doing enchiladas for Christmas dinner. Yeah. Because it's something I can make ahead and then it's really easy and something everybody likes. So no big Christmas meal. What kind of enchiladas do you make? We usually make bean, bean and cheese. Yeah. I like the idea of doing cheese dip, too. We might have to add that to our Christmas Day repertoire. Doesn't HP love cheese dip? Oh, yeah. He loves everything cheese. He's just not a very picky eater. He eats a lot of things (laughs) with gusto. I love that he loves cheese dip, especially. But yeah, so from Neil's family, we're not wrapping the stocking presents the same way that his family didn't. We're doing um, an advent calendar that's the same as what his family had growing up which is more similar to what you're talking about. There's an ornament for every day. Mm -hmm. And his mom made this really beautiful quilted tree. And then there's little hooks on it. You can hook all of them in. That's awesome. But a similar like pace to the day in terms of doing the stockings, breakfast, gifts, and then lunch later. And they've been so young so far that gift opening takes so long (laughs) because... HP will just open something and play with it for an hour before he even wants to do another present. And when he was two and a half, we just went to a playground after we did stockings in Austin and played on the playground for a while and then came back and had breakfast and did the rest. So uh, I would say one family tradition we have, I guess you can call it a tradition, is our palette tree, which is a palette that we stained and then painted and has little nails in it. And so we hang our ornaments on that. And that is our Christmas tree. So I had a live tree growing up. Neil had a fake tree. We could not agree on which direction our family should go. Ah, intriguing. Actually, Neil is just, I make him sound like a Grinch. I was going to say anti-Christmas tree. That sounds a little harsh, but uh, he's (laughs) pro-palletry. We'll just say that. (laughs) It's a more positive way to phrase it. (laughs) Yes. And to be fair, we really don't have a good spot for a real tree in our house right now. Mm. That there's not a spot in our living area to put it. And in our back room, we've closed it off for the winter. So we're not heating it. And it's really cold. And it seems silly to have a Christmas tree in the room where you are not going to be spending any time. Yeah, that makes sense. 
Talk a little bit about your palette tree and how it came to be. Do you mean describing? Give me more details. Tell its origin story. (laughs) Well, in 2012, it was going to be HP's first Christmas. And prior to that, I had not cared one way or the other if we decorated. Quite frankly, I was happy to not decorate and not have the stuff to decorate. And as will become clear to listeners, I am no interior designer. And I was just happy to skip over that whole deal. But after having him, I really felt like we should decorate for Christmas, even though he was too young to know. And since Neil and I could not agree on fake tree, real tree, any tree at all, and I was so adamant about having it, I came up with the idea to make an alternative. And I honestly, before we started recording, I asked Neil how we came up with the specific idea of using a palette. Mm -hmm. And I, I really don't know. Like, I don't remember seeing something that specific on the internet. It is the age of Pinterest, so it's likely that... But 2012 I, was I saw the very beginning of Pinterest. Yeah. And I'm not... Yeah. So I'm not sure where where the palette, how that came forth. Neil said it was your idea. And I said, well, I just don't remember. <laughs> but we got... We found a palette um, at a place in our neighborhood where it was getting tossed. And then we got some stain from the restore and stained it and paint that was left over from our house. And yeah, so we made it Thanksgiving. Neil's parents were visiting that Thanksgiving and we we created the palette tree that has graced our living room ever since. And you'll put a picture in the show notes, right? For sure. Or on Instagram or both. Or both. <laughs> it seems like it's a really good thing because you hang ornaments with little nails, right? Mm hmm. But then don't your kids like take the ornaments on and off and they can do it themselves? Oh, yes. Many ornaments throughout our home (laughs) working their way around. They don't always stay on the tree. Yeah, we get a real tree. Andrew and I both grew up with real trees. And so that was the way to go, which we've been doing since college. He, He was upset last year because I insisted that we just get a really small tree because we weren't even going to be there Christmas Day. We were traveling and we were gone for a long time. And I said, I don't think that we need a giant tree. I think we can just get a small one. Yeah. And this year when we got our, you know, five and a half foot tall tree, he was like, oh, finally. So do you guys have to move furniture around in your living area to do it or not? We had a spot this year because there was a little side table that is right now sitting in front of a bookcase. Okay. With a gate in front of it because it's kind of unstable. Mm -hmm. And so I was worried that Plum would kick it or try and pull up on it and fall over or it would fall on her. So that table was already to the side. So there was just a spot and it's right there in front of the window. Okay. Kind of next to the couch. Oh, I was going to ask where you where you source your ornaments. Like, did you get a bunch of childhood ones or otherwise? Yes, we have a bunch from our childhood. We've been given them as gifts. And then we ended up with many of the ones that a lot of our friends made in college. So we still have pipe cleaner, frisbee player ornaments, and the styrofoam balls that people painted. We have a whole bunch from from that. And we've gotten them as gifts over the years. We have bought very few. What about you guys? We got a lot from Neil's family. His parents give ornaments as gifts every year, usually picture ornaments with the year on them. So we have those for our kids and then we have them from us even before kids. And I think gifted the kids ornaments every year growing up too. So we'll have like there's a little airplane that says 1989 on it and just has the year written on it. So we have all of those. And then my sister-in-law also used to make ornaments every year to give us gifts. And she's a great artisan. 
But I think all of the ones that I made as a kid are still at my family's house Mm. that they never got transferred. Sarah, are you ready to move on to what we've been eating lately? Yes, I am. Okay, I'm going to go first. Listeners, get ready for another Instant Pot extravaganza. And I have to say something about the Instant Pot that Andrew pointed out to me. He said that I say it like Instapot when it's actually Instant Pot. So listeners, just be aware that that's what it actually is. But what I did with my Instant Pot this week was cook a whole chicken. And the whole chickens were on sale at our food co-op. And it's the cheapest way to buy chicken because it's the least processed. It's not even cut up. So I bought a whole chicken. And in the Instant Pot, I cooked it in an hour, which is amazing. Because in the oven, it would take much longer than that. I have usually been cooking whole chickens in the slow cooker where I just put it in there and then cook it overnight. So that takes a significant amount of forethought, but it was really awesome. You just put it in breast side down and saute for five minutes and then flip it over, put the lid on and cook at high pressure for 25 minutes. And then it was really easy to like take it all apart. And then I made chicken noodle soup and I actually made the stock in the Instant Pot. So I put all the bones back in and poured water in and put spices and onion and carrot in with it and then turned it back on high pressure for another 30 minutes and had like a delicious chicken stock that we had chicken noodle soup with. And then I also made chicken fried rice later in the week. So do you add anything to it, like any broth or anything when you're cooking it the first time? Yeah, when I sauteed it, I put a little bit of oil, like uh, olive oil. I might have done coconut, but you know, some kind of oil Mm -hmm. so that it doesn't stick to the insert. Okay. And then I poured in maybe a cup of water. Okay. And then pressurized and cooked. So like that. How do you think the flavor is then compared to if you're doing it? Well, you said you did it in the slow cooker before. I was going to say, do you think that it adds anything? So in the slow cooker, it's identical. Okay. And you could always season your chicken more. I was basically cooking it to use it in things. So it was going to be seasoned on the back end kind of. So it didn't necessarily need like herbs rubbed on it and salt and peppered and whatever. But the Instant Pot recipe that I followed did recommend those things and said you could put garlic in with it and like Mm -hmm. put garlic under the skin and, you know, rub pepper and things on on top to help season it up. And I mean, so if you were the sort of person who wanted to just eat a chicken like that, then this would be a really awesome way to do it too. Okay. I'm intrigued. What have you been eating, Sarah? I have had some roasted cabbage this week. So I get cabbage in our CSA and I don't always know what to do with it because if you just chop up cabbage, it is such a large volume that comes from a single head of cabbage. So in the summer, I made some coleslaws, but even that, it was a lot of coleslaw to eat once you start making it. So that's actually when I found this recipe because then I was trying to look up different ways to eat cabbage. I've also tried sauerkraut in the past but have not had success with that before and then it's felt like a lot Mm. of work and then I just have to compost the result for various reasons. Oh, so disappointing. So this one is a recipe I found on, I think it's the kitchen. I'll link to it in the show notes. But basically you just chop the cabbage into wedges and then you use oil, salt, and pepper on that. And then you do bacon also. So you chop up bacon and then just put it on there and put it all in the oven. And it's really good. So the cabbage gets a little bit crispy and then it has the flavor from the bacon. Yeah. 
I highly recommend it. So are you guys eating this as a side dish usually? Yes, as a side dish. So usually maybe, I think this week we had it with soup. But it's really tasty. And I feel like it's easier to eat the whole cabbage that way. Mm -hmm. Because for some reason, it seems to expand when you do things like coleslaws where... I mean, surface area wise, it's definitely expanding. Yeah. So it was um, much easier to just have a little wedge of cabbage bacony goodness. All right. Well, I think that's all for this episode of Friendlier. It's been great talking with you, Abby, and with all of you listeners. If you'd like to join in the conversation or offer suggestions for future topics, you can find us online at friendlierpodcast.com, on Instagram at friendlierpodcast, or you can email us friendlierpodcast at gmail.com. Until next time, may your books be engaging, your food delicious, and your conversations friendly. Are we doing eating lately now? Sure. Are we done with Christmas? Do you feel like we're done with Christmas? Is that the note you want to end on? I don't know. It's kind of like a weird thing. And then that's the end. Is that it? Yeah. You know, that whole section was maybe pretty weird. Yeah. Side note. They've been talking about healthy food in preschool this week. Uh And HP was asking me what my favorite food was. And yeah, I don't know. I'm sure I listed some things and I asked him what his favorite food was. And he said, cookies, cake, (laughs) candy. Really, I just like all the things that are full of sugar. (laughs) And I thought, I'm not sure if talking about healthy food in preschool is (laughs) is having the intended effect. (laughs) I think it's just helped him define what his true favorite food is. I love (laughs) it. So I guess that's positive. (laughs) The more you know.